Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Faith to Conquer Fear radio show hosted by me, Christy Demetrakis, the Empowered Speaker. I'm the president and founder of the Empowered Speaker, a faith-based global ministry that teaches people the power of dreams and the importance of faith in conquering the fears that limit us. I'm also the author of Faith to Conquer Fear, Inspiration to Achieve Your Dreams. You can find out more about me and my services and my book at www.empoweredspeaker.com. And for those of you who may be listening to the Faith to Conquer Fear radio show for the first time, here's what you can expect. This show will provide guests who will motivate you, inspire you, and give you tools to activate your goals and dreams, whether those dreams are entrepreneurial, corporate, or personal. And today I have a special guest to help me do just that, Mark Grimm. And let me tell you a little bit about Mark. Former TV news anchor Mark Grimm is a dazzling professional speaker, speaking coach, author, radio host, and award-winning corporate trainer. Mark has conducted one-on-one interviews with Presidents Bush and Clinton and was an adjunct media professor for 11 years. He has a master's in communications from Syracuse University and a bachelor's in English from Siena. Mark was chosen trainer of the year in a 20-county region by the Association for Talent Development and Entrepreneur of the Year by the Gilderland Chamber of Commerce. His book, Everyone Can Be a Dynamic Speaker, Yes, I Mean You, is his own personal story from nervous presenter to paid speaker. On a personal note, Mark's family, his wife Karen and their beautiful daughter, is the center of his life. Mark has eight brothers and sisters. Mark Grimm, welcome to the Faith to Conquer Fear radio show. It's great to be with you, Christy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad we were able to connect. I always start by asking my guests to tell me something about them that I did not read in your bio. Well, when I was in the sixth grade, my sister had just graduated college, and she was going down to Mexico to teach English to uh, Mexican children. And for some reason, my parents decided, why don't you take somebody with you? So she took me with her uh, when I was just 12 years old, and we went into our Volkswagen Beetle and drove to Mexico, and I lived with a Mexican family. Well, she taught English to uh, Mexican kids. Wow. Now, your mom let you do that, huh? Well, I think back now, it's just, I can't believe, you know, a, a college kid uh, going to Mexico alone would have any concerns. <laughs> That's the first Let alone take a 12-year-old. And, we, you know, we went through hurricanes and we had a car accident and we just stayed with folks that she she was from Manhattanville College and she just looked up uh, names of people in Manhattanville's directory along the way and called them up and said, would you mind if we stayed a night? And they said, okay. Wow. Yeah. Now, that was obviously a different time and a different space. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It seems like the world was much safer, although you can't be certain it was. We just have access now to everything. We can see things instantly with all the social media. So I'm not sure it was necessarily any safer, but ignorance is indeed bliss, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As my children get older, I realize ignorance is bliss. The less I know, the better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you have a great background. You have been a professor. You've been a news anchor. You have you're an author. You're a radio show host. What don't you do? Well, uh, there's communication. Uh, the thread of communication is spread throughout them all, mm-hmm. and uh, I've just been fascinated by that as as you have since the time I was a kid. I started out as a kid. I wanted to be a sportscaster, so I, I turned down the sound to NBA games, and I would uh, pretend to be the play-by-play announcer. And uh, my first job was in sportscasting. I've just been fascinated about the way people communicate my whole life. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. all of these things, uh, all those things kind of incorporate that. Yeah, that's great. I, it's um, 
did you now were you one of those kids who loved the idea of doing the Easter poem and did, did you do all those things as a kid that most kids are forced to do in their churches? Well, uh, we we're an Irish Catholic family of nine kids, so so many of our social events were centered around uh, religious events. Mm-hmm. When we got together for, uh, there was always a christening or a baptism or a confirmation or a marriage or something. Uh, so I, I just remember, I uh, didn't, I wasn't an altar boy. Um, I was very shy, and that's really what held me back in speaking. Hmm. So uh, I was not, uh, you know, I was very shy as a kid, and, and I think that influenced, uh, that, that overcoming that was, uh, you know, a challenge. You mentioned you are one of nine kids. Where do you fall in the list? Eight out of nine. It's the worst spot, Christy. You have seven older ones. Seven older, seven older ones to boss you around, and if you have to fight with the baby, you're always wrong. Oh, God. So it's the worst spot. Well, that's not even called middle child syndrome, is it? I don't know what you call well, it. That's when bottom child. You know, everything but the baby. The baby always gets the you know the best treatment. But you know, uh, seriously, uh, I learned so much from my brothers and sisters, and um, just all the things you go through in life, the getting your uh, license, uh, applying to college, getting your first job. I had seen all of those things first through my older brothers and sisters, and that's really a big help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to talk a little bit about, I know uh, you have a great background in communications, and I, I personally believe, especially you know, with my own background and as I continue to coach people on presentation skills and have interactions with high school students, that it less and less are people focused on the soft skill of communication. And yes. So much more focused on social media, the instant texting, you know, all those all those things that are non-stand in your face, handshake, face to face. Would you agree that that's kind of a, and I won't call it an art. It's not an art, but for lack of a better term, right now, I'll say a dying art. Well, being interesting is a skill. Uh, as a journalist, you have to learn. And, uh, and when I first was in graduate school writing uh, news stories, my uh, professor would rip my uh, stories to pieces. Mm-hmm. Because it takes a long time to learn to be uh, cogent and direct and interesting. And being interesting is a skill that you learn. But now everyone's a publisher who's on Facebook, and they aren't really taught uh, journalism skills. They're not taught to be interesting. So we have this remarkable opportunity to contact people in a way that we haven't in the history of mankind. Mm -hmm. We have access to so many more people, and it's free, and it's a very democratic thing. I don't have to beg a media outlet to put my message on the air. I can do it right away. But we have to learn to be interesting. And, and most of what's being put out there is not being read. People are deleting it or skipping it. So we have to get better at being interesting. I think that's interesting. No pun intended. <laughs> I think that's interesting because um, I think you're right in that we just assume that when we get likes, and I, I have teenagers, you can tell by my by my stream of questions here, but I have teenagers and they believe that you know if a lot of people like it, that means it's good content. And to your yeah, point, think, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, oh yeah, and I also think uh, being informed is really important today. Mm-hmm. And you have to have a plan. You have to have a plan to be informed. And I, I talked to my college students about this. Um, knowledge is power, and the more knowledge you have, you're going to have a better life. Yes. But with so much information out there, I was talking to an educator recently. He was on my radio program. He had amazing insights. Everybody talks about education reform, but we're not really talking about real education reform. People don't go to a teacher anymore to get information. They don't do that anymore. They can find it themselves. The question is, how do we manage this abundance of information in a way that's going to be practical and really better our life, this curation that people talk about? 
how we manage information is more important than finding out a piece of information. I agree with that. I agree with that. And so often we just forward it on without any research at all to validate whether something is true or false. Either we're spreading propaganda or we're not. <laughs> yeah, that's a great that's a great point. Okay, so um, how do you choose what information to follow? Well, you have to uh, first of all judge the credibility. And then, mm -hmm. Well, how do you do that? Well, consistency uh, with how accurate are they? How fair are they? So what you want to do is have, a, and if you're getting all your news from one source, you're going to be biased. Yep. So you really have to have uh, a plan for a number of sources that are quality sources. And if you do, you're going to be better informed. And really, information really is the gateway to a better life because you make decisions every day that affect uh, affect your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's shift gears for just a second. So we're talking about social media, and I think it's very easy for people to, I'll say, um, hide behind a computer screen and communicate and, you know, stress opinions and give feedback and criticize or, you know, or um, congratulate behind a computer screen. But a lot of what happens in business still today is grounded on face-to-face -face communication, how you communicate with people. What are your mm -hmm. interpersonal skills? Can you carry on a conversation? Can you stand in front of a room and actually make your point? Um, and with that, how do you talk to people about the difference? How do you get people to overcome? You can't, you can't be effective sitting behind your computer. You have to get in front of people to really show that you have those soft skills that are necessary for the long term. Yeah, I think, I think you have to show them the path, Christy. A lot of people are frustrated with speaking, as I was. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I lived it. I, I, I hid in the men's room when it was my turn to speak. And this was just uh, at Siena College in Albany, New York. I was running for a student senate, and I was so nervous, I hid in the men's room. And I remember sitting in there, I said to myself, do I want to go to my grave this way? Mm. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life afraid of seeking opportunity. And I decided that night that, night that I was going to take a path to uh, becoming a better speaker. And I think a lot of people who are frustrated with speaking, they don't know where to turn. And as a result, they go through their whole life without getting better, avoiding speaking. You know, when you, you ask for somebody to speak, everybody ducks under the table. Yes. <laughs> you and I know, oh, what a least opportunity that is. Because there are a lot of people who are good speakers who don't have as much value to share as people who aren't good speakers. Mm -hmm. But they're the ones getting the attention because they're up speaking. How, well, so I think we have to give them the, you know, a clear path to how to do it. And I lived it, so that's why I wrote my book. I just wanted to say... This is a clear path to doing this. This is how I did it. Now people pay me to speak. Now, how did that happen? Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, clearly, a lot of people who are afraid to get up and speak are gripped by the nerves that you mentioned, that you dealt yep. with, and, and that yep. I still deal with. I love public speaking, but I think there is some element of healthy nerves when you get up in front of an audience because that keeps you on your P's and Q's. Now, it's not debilitating, of course, in my instance, but... What do you say to people? How do, how do they get over those nerves? And I know your book talks to this, and we'll definitely talk about how people can get your book because I think that's very important. But how do people get to the place where you work? What did you personally do to get yourself out of that bathroom? Yeah, uh, I said, okay, what is it that I fear? Confront it. It's too often people uh, – I, I see people with problems, and problems become a real source of irritation when people don't know what to do. But if you have a problem, you've got a plan to fix it, 
you feel a lot more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a big problem, you have a way of fixing it. So I need a plan to go after the problem. One of the things is the, are the fears I feel. What are do I, what exactly am I afraid of? It isn't enough to say, oh, I'm afraid my stomach's in a knot or I'm going to sweat a little because I'm nervous. No, what is causing that? So I wrote them down. I said, this is what I'm afraid is going to happen. I'm going to think I'm an idiot by they don't answer questions or I'm going to stumble or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And then I said, okay, here's the plan for each one of those things. So I'd say, you know, writing down is so much part of dealing with it too. Put it something in writing really crystallizes it in a way that's very powerful. So I actually wrote down on paper what I actually feared and then said, okay, how can I confront that fear? What's the answer to that? Uh, one of my fears was, oh, I just would lose my, my train of thought mm -hmm. and uh, people would think I'm a dope. I said, okay, I'll have an outline handy. So whenever I lose my train of thought, I go right to the outline. So I said, oh, that's one one way of knocking that one out. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so I would I'd have an answer for each one of these. And uh, to this day, I do it. If there's some concern that comes up, I say, okay, what would I do if that happened? Because most people they go in there and they're 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 so afraid something might go wrong. Yeah. And I keep forget it. Something will go wrong. Something I accept will. it. It will go wrong, but I'm ready for it because I thought this through. Do you think that anybody can be a great speaker? Absolutely. I, I'm proof of it. I'm hiding in the men's room. Uh, <laughs> so that's why I wrote, you know, the book is tongue-in-cheek a little. Everyone can be a dynamic speaker. Yes, I mean you. Because some people say, oh, Mark, you're a communications guy. You can do it. But I'm, you know, I'm an accountant. I, I can't do it. I said, yes, you can. And everyone has uh, a lifetime of experiences uh, to share and has insights. Because I, I have, you know, I have a radio show. And some people I ask to be guests. And they say, oh, I'm not very interesting, Mark. I said, I haven't met that person. Because everyone has passions, Christy. And if mm -hmm. you get them talking about their passion, yes. it's amazing how more, how much more interesting they become. That is so true. And so let's talk about being interesting. Because you, yeah. you said earlier being interesting is a skill. But yes. Say more about I think, that. I think most people prepare the wrong way for speaking. Uh, they say, oh, what's, oh, what do I have to know? What do I have to learn? And they go out and they learn 58 things, and then they try to ram 58 things at their audience. Wrong approach. The two basic questions would be, who's my audience? Who am I speaking to? Because if we're talking to a two-year-old, we go, oh, aren't you cute? Aren't you cute? Cute, 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 Now, if we talk to an adult that way, people would think there's something wrong with us. <laughs> yeah. But we automatically adjust it because we take into account the audience. The audience is a two-year-old. It's just like when you're talking to your great-grandmother and you're yelling, hey, Grammy, can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Well, she's 85 and she's got hearing trouble. But if I went around and talked to 40-year-old adults that way, would they say, "What again, what's wrong with you? So we adjust our communication to our audience. Now, those are really clear examples, but it gets a little more subtle when you're talking about speaking to various audiences you know, in the business world. Mm -hmm. So I want to know who is my audience and what value do they want? And it's not... I never had an audience that wanted 58 things, and yet there's a plenty of speakers out there who want to give you 105 slides. That's right. I just want two or three big things, and then I, I can leave that presentation. And say, oh, I I got this from Mark. I'm, I can't wait to try this tomorrow. You know, that's the thing. And then at the end, ask them how you did. Mm -hmm. If they get that value, and I like to ask them uh, what thing, what what's the most valuable thing you learned today, and how are you going to use it to make your business better or your life better. Now, if I get vague answers, Christy, I tell everyone, tell everyone you know that I'm a lousy speaker because they shouldn't be vague with those answers. That's right. That's exactly right. One of the things I, I always teach people is you know, keep it to no more than three key points. 
Yeah. Because your audience yeah. can't remember more than that. And it doesn't have to be that many. And as long as your points are sound, that makes sense. But definitely no more than three key points. So, okay. Sometimes, you know, it's, uh, sometimes yeah, I get people, oh, we have tactical stuff we have to know more. You know, I run into yeah. this, you know, yes. state yes. or something. So what, look at If you got a lot of technical information you need to know, good. Create a booklet and let them read it. Mm -hmm. Because uh, a presentation is not about being read to. You can do that on your own. And oftentimes we have speakers that read to us. It's yes. crazy. Which is very insulting. What you should do is say, because, oh, Mark, this is technical. It's 20 pages. Great. Here's a 20 page booklet. Read the technical information. You know what? Our speech today will be what are the two or three snags in that booklet that seems to tie mm -hmm. up the most people? Mm -hmm. That's our speech today that we can engage in the dialogue and, and fix those two or three big problems. That's what the presentation should be. The people that I find that are most interesting are people who can tell a great story. And I will I will tell you, I am not a storyteller. I'm so enamored with people who can who are great storytellers. And when you know, when you hear it, you know it. You hear it, you know it. What does it take to be a great storyteller? Or even a better That's one. Great. Let's just not jump straight to great yeah. because I'm gonna need baby steps here. What well, is it well it's funny. Uh every speech is a story. Uh -huh. And one way, by the way, we talked about this preparation. Prepare, when you prepare differently for a speech, that was one of the things that made me less nervous. When I started to say, oh, my God, i got to memorize 60 things and tell the audience, and what if I forget one of them? That's one of the things that made me nervous. I don't do that anymore. I say, what's my audience want? I'm going to go through two or three big things, and, and I'm going to know those two or three things uh -huh. really well. Uh -huh. and so I, I become less nervous, so I confronted my nerves, but I also prepared differently, and that, that's what made me more comfortable. So, uh, you know, and, and I just, I don't know, what am I going to do today? Well, this is my story. I tell people, your speech should not be a four-page outline. It should be one sentence. What is the story? What do you hope to accomplish with the speech today? And, you know, if it's a, a, a this kind of group that's looking for one or two things, then that's what I tend to do in the story. And then at the end, you ask them, did you do it? I mean, feedback's really important as a way of getting better. <clears throat> but it's funny, I, I, in my training, I have, like, all the one-minute wonders. I give someone a topic, and then they go up and speak for mm -hmm, a minute. Mm -hmm. And I make the topic something you don't have to research. It's right. What was the most exciting moment in your life? If you're an emperor for a day, what would you, how would you change the world? Um, what, what is the funniest example of something, the funniest thing ever happened to you? So it's, it's something they know, but it really tests them to be able to draw an outline and then to tell the story in a minute. If you can give a one-minute speech, you can give any kind of That's speech. That's so true. I agree and with what that. I find, yeah, what I find, Christy, is two big mistakes. One is they give all these details, and just as they're about to get to the main part of the story, it's a minute, and mm -hmm. I cut them off at a minute. <laughs> right. Or they go so they don't think they have enough time, and they finish the story in 35 seconds. So it's a real, it really is a great test to prepare, and people should do this. Is try to give a speech for one minute. It will make you prepare well in terms of an outline and hit the key points and forget all, all the other details or noise. So the secret to telling a good story is that outline? Yeah, it's an outline that's, one, based on what the audience cares about, not what you care about, mm -hmm. and also is a simple and compelling story. And uh, the best speech I ever saw was a one-minute speech. And uh, it was, we were at a political event. This is 20, 25 years ago, and this old-timer was running for something local, and he came up, and he, people were snickering at him because he had, his, he had the worst than Donald Trump comb over, and his tie <laughs> came about halfway down his, oh, to his belly, and his, his, he actually, his sock was on one of his uh, pants, on the bottom of one of his pants, his sock was stuck in it. Oh, people were snickering. Mm. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, you know, 
I'm definitely not the best looking guy in the room and I'm not the smartest guy in the room. But I see Sally back in the corner when her house burned down three years ago. I was the chairman of the citizens committee to help her get back on her feet to pitch in and with any kind of contributions and, and supplies we could. And I just thought that was being a good neighbor and that's what Sally would do for everyone else. And I see Larry back there. The kids were playing in the little league field and they were scraping their knees and cuts like mad. And we, we said to ourselves, we've got to do something. So we begged and borrowed and stole from every hardware store in town. And we showed up on 10 o'clock on Saturday morning when it was really hot and we worked our tails off. But you know, that field looks great. And when they opened it, I just love the look on those kids' faces and they don't scrape their knees anymore. That's the kind of town board member I want to be. Mm. One minute speech, mm -hmm. best I've ever heard because it didn't have a bunch of details and it was relevant to the audience. What they wanted to hear from a quote politician was someone who's walked the walk to help them. And he had people right in the room. That's another thing about speeches are good examples. He wasn't going to promise you what he was going to do. He told you about how he had helped his own neighbor when no one else was watching. And that's my idea of a powerful story. That's a great story, just in the retelling of it. I get choked up. I get yeah, choked up. I get choked up just now because I remember it was like it was yesterday. Yeah, that's that's a great story. That's a great story. And even though uh, we consider that a story, if if you had asked me, I would not have said that was a storytelling. I wouldn't have said he told a great story, but he did. In your example, he told a great story because he talked about what he had done, and I thought that was great. Wow. So maybe I maybe I do tell a decent story. <laughs> this, this radio show is a story. This is how you help people. And, maybe there's hope for this me. This story yeah. was, I'm I'm trying to convince you why you should vote for me. Yes, yes. But I'm going to do it in a way that shows I've walked the walk. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's his one sentence storyline. That's in a, in a nutshell. That was his speech, and he delivered uh, in a sincere way. Yes. And that's another thing, of course, sincerity, authenticity. I talk a lot about. You got to be authentic. And he was, because he really did care about those people in that room, and they knew it. Did he win? Uh, he clobbered him. Did he, he clobbered win? him. One of his friends came up to me after and says, I went, I went to school with his opponent, but I voted for him. <laughs> I voted for the guy who gave the speech anyway. He told me secretly. He said, don't tell him. My other opponent, but I, I couldn't vote for I voted for this guy. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's, that's a great story. Well, so the flip side of that, this guy, this this um, gentleman you just talked about did a great job in one minute of yep. really sharing his heart, being authentic, and and probably turning the trend versus what people saw. He, you know, he made a very valid statement. What makes someone boring? I know, I know we've all had our share of seeing our share of boring speakers. What in your mind yeah. makes someone a boring speaker? Well, it's just the opposite of what makes you interesting. And by the way, passion is, uh, is mm -hmm. something to talk about. Our, we have this, we're passionate about what we care about, and this is coming through, I think, on the radio. But uh, someone who's just passionless, you know, they just, I get people up there, says, this is really dry material. Let's see if we can get through it. I say, show me the dry. <laughs> There's no such thing as dry material, only dry speakers. If it's dry material, then do something about it. Right. Make it more interesting, and then, you know, the imparting of knowledge is exciting because knowledge helps people achieve their goals. Knowledge helps you have a better life. So don't tell me you got dry material. That's on you. But it's also starting out saying, I really don't care about this material, and you probably shouldn't either. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I just feel the lack of passion and the lack of relevance. People love to talk about what they care about. Oh, I think this is so important. Well, have you asked your audience? Because none of them care. None of them care. They're bored because they don't care about what you're talking about. 
So this passion and relevance, and then simplicity. Too often speeches are too detailed. Mm -hmm. They go on and on and on about the details. And they're, they're not about this compelling clarity that says, this is what you really care about, and let's hit that home. What is the importance or what's the ultimate value of someone being a good presenter? I mean, people think that I've gotten through my whole life, I'm doing well in my job, and I don't have to speak in front of people. I'm content. What would you yeah. say is the reason that they should feel compelled to become better communicators? They can change the world. Uh, one person can't do much of anything. Mm -hmm. You could be the greatest at whatever you do. Whoop-de-doo. Try creating a great company that way. You can't do it. Uh, what really produces great things is the ability to lead others in a, in, to do things that are really great. And that's communication is an in, indispensable trait of leaders today. You know, during the caveman era, the leader was the strongest person. During the Middle Ages, the person who had the, who had the lance and was best with the horse, they were the leaders. Today, it's communication because we live in the communication century. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to clearly express a point of view and engage people and get them to move to action, you can change the world. And, and you can certainly create a much better life for you and for your company or for your organization. And those are things that really matter. I think that is so true. And... I think when people get nervous about the idea of public speaking or presenting, they think of themselves on this big stage in front of thousands of people, hundreds of people. Okay, 20 people might be uh, debilitating for some folks. But my husband, he's a teacher, and he and I had this conversation a while back, and he was talking about impact. And he said, I feel like I should be in a different setting to impact more people. Uh, you know, call it stage versus classroom one-on-one -on -one students. And I said, honey, I disagree. I said, now, that's not to say that God is not going to give you a different platform at some point. I said, but every child that you're touching, every special needs student that you're making feel better and you're giving them confidence and you're teaching them how to do this and how to do that and how to relate better and how to relate to their parents, all these things that school books don't teach you. I said, those are the things that they are now going to, when they have their children, they're going to instill those same values, those same thoughts that you're teaching these children. And then guess what? Their children are going to teach their children and, and so on and so on. I said, so you're leaving a legacy. Just starting with one person is exactly what you just said, Mark. You It's just about changing the world, starting with one person. And yeah. it just well, multiplies. You just, yeah, you just made a great case for the, the power of education, Christy. Mm -hmm. My gosh. Uh, you know, it's the old saying, if you're hungry, I can feed you, or I can teach you to fish. And really, education is the, 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 the basis by which we can achieve so much. I, I laugh because college grads, we thought we knew it all, we got a college degree. Yeah. <laughs> I've been learning every day since. Yeah. What I learned in college, of course, is to think critically and to write and to speak. And, and I, I've had to work on the speaking, of course. But uh, I just think the world is, there's a world of opportunity every day. And if you're able to, uh, if you have good learning skills, then that opens it up. But even that, even with learning skills, you have to you have to express it with others because we're we're in a, such a social environment. And if you can share what you know and influence others, that's really the the path to success. Yes. Uh, it isn't enough just to be a lone wolf who's good at what you do. You're not going to influence a lot of people that way. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree with that completely. Well, Mark, we are getting dangerously close to the end of our time together. 
And I know we, we've talked about a lot. We've kind of gone the gamut. <laughs> we haven't yep, stuck to sure. any one topic, which is great. But I want to give you a chance to talk about your book because you've written a book about a lot of the things we've been talking about today. So tell folks about your book and how to contact you and whatever else you want to say. Sure. Uh, the book is Everyone Can Be a Dynamic Speaker. Yes, I Mean You. And it begins with the premise that anyone can do it. And I started hiding in the men's room and, and I said, could this possibly be the way I'm going to spend the rest of my life? And I wouldn't accept it. So it wasn't that I was so brave and I was going to take more chances because uh, I was still nervous in front of an audience. But I said, what is the alternative? The alternative is a lifetime of missed opportunity. Who wants to live that way? And that is worse than stumbling in front of an audience. So it's the, it's the perspective. People are afraid to speak because they're afraid they're going to make mistakes. I say take a different perspective. Speaking is an opportunity for you to enhance your life and to change the world. When I go to speak, I can't wait to get there because I feel like I'm going to help everyone in the audience. And that's really, if people can just take that perspective and then follow the path, the, the, you know, you have to be practical and there's steps in the book that talks about how do I confront the nerves? How do I make clear? How do I become more visual? How do I uh, get good feedback from the audience? The, you know, there is really a clear path to speaking, I lived it, and it can be shared. And too often, uh, I, I see uh, public speaking coaches arguing, should you wear a red tie or a blue tie? And they go into all these discussions. And I'm saying, are you kidding me? The big big topics are, are you focusing on the audience? Mm -hmm. Are you being really relevant to them? Are you are you communicating in a way that makes you interesting? And do you, are you in the trench with your audience? Do they feel, this guy is in the trench with me, and he wants to help me? That's when you become dynamic when the audience feels you are in their corner. And the beauty of it is everybody can do it. And that's what makes it really exciting. That's why I'm so appreciative of what you do, Christy, because I know you're making a big impact that's really going to affect the lives of people for a long time. Well, thank you. How do people get your book? Oh, markgrim.com is where you can buy the book. And uh, there's uh, all like it's a lot of my other services that I'm involved with. But uh, there's two M's in Grim. And uh, that has all the contact information, too. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, I encourage you all to go visit Mark's website. There is a ton of information out there. You can see some videos of him as well uh, doing what he does. And I, my, the bio I read did not do him justice. He has done a lot and I'm sure will continue to do even more great things. So, Mark, thank you for being a guest on the Faith to Conquer Fear radio show. It's an honor to be with you, Christy. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. And I want to thank you all for listening to the Faith to Conquer Fear radio show with me, Christy Demetrakis. I invite you to follow me and the show on Blog Talk Radio to get news and reminders for upcoming shows. I'd also like you to connect with me on Twitter. My handle is at Demetrakis, and I have two Facebook pages, Faith to Conquer Fear and The Empowered Speaker. This will allow you to keep up with all the news and events to inspire you to keep it moving. I'm doing what I love. Talk to you soon.